Amen. Amen. Howdy. Howdy. Oh, my name is Kevin Barra. Welcome, welcome to the college pastor here at Grace Southwood. And I'm excited about 2020. Anyone else? It's a new year, a new decade, and it is a great opportunity to jump into uh, things that we have going here at Southwood. There's a ton going on this semester, and so you're not going to miss a thing, so please follow us on Instagram if you don't already. Uh, follow us on um, all our social media, and I'll give you one other area, one other place you can follow us, and it's this on the Version app. We are actually have uh, the series that we're starting right now is in Proverbs. It is wisdom from God, and we're going to be looking at uh, the book of Proverbs over the next eight weeks, and so a great resource for you is to get on your phone, download the Version app, just search the best, and you can join with us and follow those devotions as we are looking at the book of Proverbs this semester. It's going to absolutely be amazing. Hey, so what I want to do is I want us to go to Proverbs real quick. I'm going to read uh, from Proverbs chapter 1. So if you have a Bible or a phone or an app, jump to Proverbs chapter 1, and that's where we're going to start this morning. Are you ready? Okay, Proverbs, I'm just telling you, it's going to change your life. It's going to be so helpful, and I'll explain it here in a second. Proverbs chapter 1, starting in verse 1. I'm going to read for us, I'm going to pray, and then we will jump in. Proverbs chapter 1, starting in verse 1, says this. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. The one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying. The words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. We pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for your word. And I thank you that you have given us Proverbs, wisdom from the ages, but not just wisdom from the ages, not just ideas to consider, but actually um, wisdom that is directly from, from your heart. And Lord, you are the author of life. You are the author of life, and you know how this life should be lived. And so, Lord, I pray that as we open up your word, we would receive your wisdom And Lord, as we make decisions in school, as we make decisions in relationships, as we make decisions all in all aspects of life, we would be ones to make better decisions because of the wisdom we have from you. So Lord, I lift up this morning to you. It's in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Well, if it's your first week with us, I'll, I'll tell you this, kind of what the flow looks like. We do worship and a message, and worship was amazing. Give the band a hand. Thank you guys so much for leading us. <clears throat> we're going to have a sermon portion, and then we're going to have table discussion um, out after this in uh, the cafeteria area. We have tons of amazing table hosts. If you're a table host, go ahead and lift your hand in the air. Table leader, yes. Thank you, guys. And those folks will be exiting a little bit early, but they'll be uh, setting up the table, getting ready for you as you exit this moment. Okay, so that's it. Well, I hope you had a great break. I had an amazing break. Uh, My wife and I went on an adult trip to Disney. I have four kids, and we did not bring them. 
okay? We left them at, yeah, this was beautiful. It was a beautiful thing. And uh, my wife was surprising me with this vacation. And so we went together to Disney. And, and I'll tell you what, when you travel with four young children, I got a nine-year-old daughter all the way down to a eight-year-old son, six-year-old son, and then a four-year-old daughter. And when you don't have to cart them around through an airport, traveling is simple, right? And so, and so we get there, we grab some coffee, we're, we're flying there. And on the way there, I don't know if you realize this, uh, but Orlando has entirely adopted Star Wars. They've embraced it deeply. And so the, uh, the trains you take to different terminals of the airport when you land in Orlando are covered with Star Wars memorabilia. Uh, this one train was covered with Starship Troopers. And so you literally look like you were walking into like enemy forces, right, that are standing there, uh, Star Wars you know what the stormtroopers are? All right, they're there on their wall. And, uh, and, so, and so Hillary and I take a, a selfie of it. And the kids, they knew we were going to Disney, but it hadn't sunk in to them until we showed them the picture. And they're like, there's Star Wars where you are? You went without us? And like, it just, it just, uh, I'm just like went over them, you know, just like a, like, a, like a warm, harsh blanket of like, they left me here. <laughs> with grandparents, and, uh, and they went, and we went, and it was great. <laughs> and let me tell you something about Disney. If you haven't experienced it yet, I'm sorry for you. Maybe uh, pray, and maybe God uh, will grant you the millions of dollars that it takes to get there. Um, but what's amazing about Disney World is, is the attention to detail and the overwhelming coordination it takes to make all of this happen. I mean, how many Disney princesses, like how many casting characters they have to make all of the the princesses to be in their place and to go. I mean, literally, it's dozens of people to play these different roles. And and, and not only that, there's, there's tons of, there's more than just roller coasters there's people. There's like shows. And so the talent that's of, of each of those individuals in, in delivering the shows. And I was looking at the whole thing. We had such a great time um, just walking around and enjoying our time in Disney. But then I thought about it. I was like, I was like, the complexity of this is overwhelming. And in fact, it's, everything is so good it, all across the different parks. You can get overwhelmed with how much there is to do. I mean, literally, there's so many great food options. You're like, do I want a funnel cake? Do I want coffee? Do I want to eat with Mickey? Do I want to eat with a princess? Like, there's so many options. And you're like, how much money do you have? I'm like, not that much. Well, your options get limited. But if you have a lot of money... There's a lot of options. And you're like, what rides do I want to do? What fast passes am I going to have? Like, what experiences am I going to get? And it's very easy if you don't plan decades in advance um, to, to waste your time because you don't know how to navigate Disney well. Fortunately, I married my wife. And so she plans our Disney trip to a T magnificently, knows, has wisdom. And how to navigate the parks to utilize all of the experiences to its highest level. She has skill in navigating Disney. She is not your travel planner, right? She's mine. And the reason I tell you that is for this simple reason. Um, We need skill in life. We need more than just information. We need wisdom. We need to know how to navigate the complexities of life. Because let me tell you, we have more than enough information. Like Disney has more than enough entertainment options. What you need to know is how to navigate the complexities of life well. In 2010, 
uh, Eric Schmidt, CEO of Google, made a startling claim when he said this statement. He said, there was five exabytes of information created between the dawn of civilization through 2003. But that much information is now created every two days, and the pace is increasing. Now, there has been debate about whether or not it's two days in which that amount of information is created, or seven days, but who really cares? Whether it's two days or a week, we are creating as much information in a week's amount of time as the entire civilization created from for the past, from civilization until today. And so what's crazy is the amount of information we have to sift through is actually staggering. And you think about it. You can get information on just about anything you want. In fact, all you have to do is go to Amazon, and you can read a book on any issue you have. You can buy the book. It is delivered to your phone or your Kindle device or whatever within moments. You can read about anything. And if you don't know how to fix your car, you don't have to read. You're like, I'm not a reader. Yeah, you're not. You, You go to YouTube, right? You're like, I have car issues. What do I need to do? I will go look at 30,000 different people that have dealt with car issues, and I will watch videos on this. If you need to know how to be a better person dating, you're like, okay, how do I do this? YouTube stars, help me to navigate (laughs) the relating, dating-relating issues. And you've got tons of information. There is no lack of information from YouTube to books to blogs. The internet has flooded us with tons and tons and mountains of information. And the problem is, with all of the information, what it hasn't given us is wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to navigate well the complexities of life. And and many people have seen this and actually um, are are bringing the problem to the surface. In fact, there was a book written a couple years ago called Meet Generation Z, talking about your generation. You didn't know it yet. You're in college right now. You are in Generation Z. That's what they're calling you. When Someday you'll come up with a cooler name for yourselves, but at this point, you're just Z. And why are you Z? Well, X was me, Y was the millennials, and so what comes after Y? Z, you know? So, like, so come up with a better name for yourselves, then you can be cooler, right? Then you'll be like millennial or something, I don't know, something better. Uh, X, Y, and Z. You are Z. And what, in this book, here's what's fascinating. What this author writes, he says this, like no other generation before, Generation Z faces a widening chasm between wisdom and information. Quentin Schultz writes that the torrent of information now at our disposal is often little more than endless volleys of nonsense and folly and rumor masquerading as knowledge, wisdom, and even truth. He says, everything we read on the internet isn't well thought through, but I read it in a Wikipedia article. It must be valid, false, goes on to say this, the president of New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, Chuck Kelly says, um, what we need now, what seminaries observe, that the new task of education is to help students evaluate information. See, there's tons of information out there. There's tons of ideas out there. The question is this, how do I make wise decisions? How do I make wise decisions in life? How do I navigate the complexities of life? given the number of options. And I can't tell you how many college students I talk to that have difficulty making life's decisions, making good decisions in life because there's so much information out there. 
so many opinions. And when there's so many opinions, what ends up happening is that we get locked into what's called the paradox of choice. We can't make the right decision because there's so many options. There's a book written about this called The Paradox of Choice. And what the author says is, uh, at one point in time, you would go to the grocery store and there were jams or jellies to select. And there was two options. Do I want grape or do I want strawberry? Now, if you go to the store, there are billions of options of jellies, right? You're just like, which one do I want? I don't know anymore. It's all very complicated. Is it jam? Is it jelly? What's the debate? You know, there's all sorts of options there. And you can get lost in the paradox of choice. Who do I date? At one time, it was like, who's around? You know, like, I'll pick one of these people. Now it's like, who's in the world? You know, and you just keep on swiping to go like, I don't know, maybe my person is in Papua New Guinea, and I just need to meet them, you know? So (laughs) we just don't know. And with all of the options, with all the connectivity, what we haven't gained in the information is wisdom. And Christians aren't the only ones to notice this. So years ago, a guy named Isaac Asmanov says this, the saddest aspect of life right now is that science gathers knowledge faster than society gathers wisdom. He lived from 1920 to 1992, and he was seeing this issue. Librarian, chief librarian of the NYC Public Library said this, we are drowning in information and starving for knowledge. The librarian saying, yeah, there's a lot of books here. You know, like... We're drowning in information and starving for knowledge. T.S. Eliot says this, where is the knowledge we have lost all the information? Where's the wisdom to navigate the complexities of life in our current circumstances? And I'll tell you what, what we need in our life is wisdom. Not more information, but wisdom. And wisdom is this in Hebrew. The, the Hebrew word is chokmah. It's skill. And it's probably something like, you know, like Hebrew. Right? So they, they do like sounds that we don't make. And, and, and it means skill. And it could be skill as a craftsman, like skill to create a, a furniture or craft. It could be applied in that context. It can be skill of a musician. I love uh, engaging in worship here, and I, I stand back there before I walk on stage, and I get to watch Preston on the drums, and I'm like watching him like hit all of these things in perfect rhythm. I'm like, that is oh, that's skill, that's wisdom, and how to navigate the complexities of the drum set. It's used to describe mariners on the sea. It's used to describe wise advice. But in the context of the Bible, in the context of, in particular, um, the book of Proverbs, wisdom is skill in living. It's skill in how to navigate the complexities of life. And Proverbs are short, pithy statements used to crystallize truth. They're short, pithy little statements that can be memorized easily. And and, and Proverbs are truisms, meaning they are generally true in life circumstances, although exceptions can exist. Proverbs are not promises, They're truths that have been distilled down, crystallized into statements that are easily memorable. And and if you apply them to your life, generally speaking, that will play out. And it's crucial. Proverbs was was taught um, specifically to youth in the Hebrew culture. 
ages, up to, up to 20, a little bit older, 20, 25. You're not considered adult truly until you're about 30. And it was given to youth so that they would be wise in the life that we live. And here's the truth. Here's why I'm excited about going through Proverbs with us, is that we need timeless wisdom to speak into our current circumstance. We need timeless wisdom that can help us determine what's right, what's wrong, as I get this flood of information, how do I evaluate it well and apply it well in my life? We need wisdom. But the start of this journey is not easy. If you actually want to become wise, the first step is this. You need wisdom's realization. And the realization is this. I don't have it. The starting point of this journey of of actually becoming wise in life is this simple realization that we all have to make for ourselves. I am not wise. Proverbs 1, 1 starts it this way. These are the Proverbs of Solomon. Now, this statement is really the title of the entire book, but it gives you insight into the author and the purpose. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel. And right there, you get the author of Proverbs. It's Solomon. Now, Solomon was a famous king in the nation of Israel. In fact, he was the wealthiest, most prosperous king. And he made some really great decisions and some really bad decisions. Most scholars believe that, he, that Solomon wrote three books of the Bible. One of them was Song of Songs, which was written probably early in Solomon's life, where he talks about romance and relationships. He probably wrote Proverbs in the middle of his life as he was um, leading as a king. And he probably wrote Ecclesiastes near the end of his life. After he had made a lot of mistakes and had time to reflect, he writes Ecclesiastes in it. He wrote three books, and I'll tell you what, Proverbs is is an incredible book. Most scholars believe he wrote um, or composed, compiled, chapters 1 through 29. Chapters 30 through 31 were some other authors that were brought in to the composition of the book. But the question is this, why should I actually believe Solomon as a wise person. Why do I, should I trust Solomon? I mean, if you read Solomon's life, there were some great decisions, some really bad decisions. Well, here's what happens in Solomon's life. Solomon became king as a young man. He was 20 years old when he became king. He ruled from about 966 BCE to about 926 BCE, about 40 years. He was about 20 years old when he became king of Israel. Let's think about this for a moment. He was your age when he started leading a nation. What do you need at that moment when you're leading a nation as a 20-year-old? You're like, well, I need money. I need good friends. I need an army. You know, like, what do you need? What, do you, what should you ask for? What would you ask God to give you if you were in that type of situation? But not just Solomon's situation. Think about your situation. What do you most need this semester to be successful? What do you most need God to give you this semester to give you success this semester? And be like, I don't know, like that download all the information of the world into my head. Let my professor be nice. Like, what would you, what do you need? Well, God appeared to Solomon in a dream just after he had become king. He says to Solomon this, at Gibeah, Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, ask what I shall give you. This is like the dream above all dreams. You know, like, it's almost like God as a genie, kind of, it feels like it. It's not that, but it almost kind of like, what if God literally granted you your wish? What would you ask for? Would you ask for money? 
Would you ask for power? Would you ask for fame? Would you ask for pleasure? What would you ask God for if he appeared to you in a dream and said, ask whatever you want and I'm going to give it to you? Solomon answers this way. Your servant is in the midst of your people whom you've chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. He says, you have given me lots of people to lead. So give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this your great people? Isn't that amazing? Solomon has a great realization. The first realization he says is this, that I'm a steward, I'm not an owner of these people. These are your people, and you've put me in a position to lead them, and and they're yours, they're ultimately yours. It's a great people, but I I don't have the capacity to lead them, so please, give me an understanding mind. Give me wisdom to navigate the complexities of these people. It says, it goes on to say in verse 10, it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this, and God said to him, because you've asked this, and not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but you have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. Behold, now do according to your word. Behold, I will give you a wise and discerning mind that, you, that none like you has ever been before and none like you shall arise after. It says, I'm going to give you wisdom. I'm going to make you the wisest man that has ever lived. And that man has compiled this book. The wisest man of the ages has compiled this book to catalyze, to crystallize wisdom and how to navigate the complexities of life. So we have to come to this realization. Like Solomon did early in his life, I don't have the wisdom I need to navigate life's circumstances. And if we don't come to that starting point, we can never grow to become wise. So it begins with that first realization, I don't have it. But secondly, here's the second truth. Wisdom is received. In order to become wise, what it means is that none of us are born wise. We have to grow to become wise. I can't get it on the inside. I need to look on the outside. And that's the purpose of Proverbs. It goes on in verse 2 to say this. The purpose of this book, the big idea, and you see four big reasons, four big purposes of the book of Proverbs. And the first one is this, to know wisdom and instruction. To understand words of insight is to know wisdom and instruction. It's to know, that means um, to actually have um, conscious awareness of it. And wisdom is that word hokma. It's skill. And instruction is, is the idea of shaping character. So the first purpose is that you would have your character shaped to be wise. To know, to own a character-shaping portion of Proverbs, that you would grow to be the type of person that is wise. And to know words and understand words of insight. That, word, that phrase understanding means this. Um, to explain a way that allows the listener to receive and possess wisdom. He says, I want you to have a character that is wise, and I want you to possess wisdom. Verse 3, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. I want you to deal with people in the right way. 
justly. So that everyone looks at your decisions and it seems just, it seems like the right decision in equity. I don't want you to play favorites. I want you to be equal in how you deal with people. I want you to receive instruction, literally training in this. Thirdly, it says to give prudence to the simple. That word prudence, is, it's interesting. It's, it's discernment. It's shrewdness. It's management of, a, of affairs. It's the ability to know the right decision to make in a given situation. He says prudence to the simple. The word simple basically means the inexperienced. Or to the young. Generally speaking, young people are simple. They don't know the consequences of their actions. That's why the dumbest decisions are often made by high school boys. Like, why is this YouTube video showing me this kid jumping off a cliff again? Well, there's a reason for that, right? And it's to give wisdom, it's to give prudence, discernment to the naive, the inexperienced. And let me tell you, we all have areas of life where we're naive, where we're inexperienced. If you're going into college, you're a freshman, and this is your second semester in, there's some things that you didn't know when you... When you came into college, you were naive. Not that you were dumb. You were just naive. You didn't know how the whole thing played out. If you're a senior about to exit college, let me tell you what. You're naive as about what life looks like in the real world. If you haven't been married yet, you are naive in the challenges of marriage. It's not that you're not smart. You just haven't experienced it yet. You don't know yet. There are all areas of life where we are naive, where we need wisdom and how to navigate those circumstances. Verse 5 says this way. What the wise hear, an increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. Some of us aren't naive in the room. We're we're experienced. And we've gained some wisdom. And here's Solomon's call to you from Proverbs. You can gain wisdom. You can continue to grow in your wisdom if you apply this rightly. And lastly, is to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and the riddles. In studying Proverbs together, what you're actually going to gain is skill and interpretation of the Scripture. You're going to know how to better understand the words of Scripture. And from all of these ideas, there's two big things I'd give you. Why study Proverbs? The first thing is this, that wisdom is external, not internal. And that statement right there is actually countercultural. You know that? I found one quote recently that says this, Every answer you are seeking is already inside of you. Look within, do the inner work. Our culture will say, no, no, wisdom is actually inside you. What you need to do is just unearth it. Proverbs would actually say, no, that's not true. Wisdom is actually external. In order to become wise in life, I can't just look within and hope to make the flower of wisdom grow. I need to look outside of myself. And the second part is this, that wisdom is grown and honed. Verse 5 says this, let the wise hear and increase. Wisdom is grown and honed, meaning it's grown in you and it's, it's made better. It's made so you can make better decisions in life. Some of you are engineers in this room and you had great math skills. The problem is they weren't fully developed and honed to your field. In school, you are growing those skills and honing them into your particular field. In a similar way, you have general wisdom on life. You have a lot of experience, which is good. The problem is it hasn't been fully grown and honed. We can all gain 
wisdom. And what we need is to realize, first and foremost, I don't have it. And secondly, I've got to go somewhere to get it. Wisdom is not inside of me. I've got to go to an external source. In chapter 2 of Proverbs, most of Proverbs is, is, is describing like a father advising a son. He urges his son this way. My son, if you receive my words and you treasure my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom, inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if I call out for insight and raise your voice to understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find knowledge of God, for the Lord gives wisdom. Isn't that amazing? He says, if you seek wisdom, if you seek the Lord, if you incline your ear, if you lean in, God says, I will make you wise. I will give you the wisdom you need. That transition us to the last piece, and it's this. There is a requirement to become wise, and it's this. I admit it. I seek it. But wisdom's requirement, thirdly, is this, that I submit my life to God. Verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. You want to be wise, it's simply this. You realize that I need to submit my life to the creator of life. I need to submit my thoughts to the creator's thoughts. I need to submit myself to someone higher than me because I don't have all the answers within me. Have you ever heard the phrase, uh, they know just enough to be dangerous? Ever, ever heard that? Like, they have some mechanical skills, and they're like, yeah, I'll work on your car and, like, your engines and pieces. And you're like, can you put it back together? Yeah, not, not anymore, not anymore. I got, I got this far, right? That's just enough information to be dangerous. And they've done studies on this. They've actually done studies to see uh, why is it that some people with a little bit of knowledge think they know a lot more than they do. And the study is actually called, known as the Dunning-Kruger Effect. The Department of Psychology at Cornell University, where these two uh, professors lived, what they wrote was a, a study, a finding, and it was entitled this, Unskilled and Unaware of It, How Difficulties in Recognizing One's Own Incompetencies Lead to Inflated Self-Assessment. Meaning, people think they know a lot more than they do. It goes on to say this, across four studies... The authors found that participants scoring in the bottom quarter quarter of tests of humor, grammar, and logic grossly overestimated their test performance. So people generally believe they're funnier than they are. People generally believe they know the English language better than they do. People think they can solve logical problems better than they can. So they tested these people, and though they they found, this is funny, although their test scores put them in the 12th percentile, like the bottom, bottom, bottom of the percentile, they estimated themselves to be in the 62nd of the percentile. They're like, I think I'm like 99th percentile, you know, but, but you're actually like in the bottom 12 of people. You think you're funny, but like 90% of the population is funnier than you, you know, like <laughs> you think you understand the English language, but most of the population knows how to put words together better than you, right? you like... It's fascinating that people that think they know the answers actually perform 
very, very poorly, but they found a solution. And the solution is this. Paradoxically, improving the skills of participants, teaching them how to tell a joke, you know, um, and thus increasing their metacognitive competence helped them recognize the limitations of their abilities. What's fascinating about this study is that it points directly to the human heart. And the human heart says this, I know what's best for me. I know what's best for me. You don't know what's best for me. I do. And the author of Proverbs says, the fear of the Lord. Well, what's the fear of the Lord? It's not a terror. It's not I'm walking around in eggshells scared that I'm going to disappoint God as the creator. It's not that. It's actually a healthy reverence and respect. Meaning when God speaks, I'm going to listen and apply. I'm not going to take it as a suggestion. It's not like a blog post where I'm like, that's an interesting way to do that. And, and it's not a blog post. It's actually direct information to say, this is how life should be lived. And you accept that information and you apply it. The starting point of wisdom is to simply say, I will submit my life to God's leadership. And to do that, you have to submit to God's son. First Corinthians 1 says it this way. The Jews demand signs, like miracles. The Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Wisdom ultimately begins with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus came and lived the life we could not live. He died the death we deserve to die, living in perfect obedience to God. And he rose in victory over Satan's sin and death, forgiving all of our sin, all of our mistakes, all the things we wish we didn't do in our life. He forgave them and says, come with me and I will teach you wisdom. Colossians 2 says it this way, in Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Jesus Christ, you can grow to become wise. You come, you submit your life. I don't have the wisdom I need. I know the source is outside of myself. And so I submit to God's wisdom through his word and through his son. So i give you three application points. First one is this, is to actually commit to reading Proverbs with us. That you would read it. There's 31 chapters. You can literally read a chapter a day and get through the entire book in a month. It is short, it is pithy, you should read it. But not only should you read it, secondly, you should reflect on it. Figure out a way to actually capture those Proverbs that stick out to you and, and actually reflect on it and meditate on it. Let, that, let those words come to your mind again and again so you can slowly grow to become more wise in your life. I, I tell you what, I was, I've been doing this recently. I can't tell you how many, how many Proverbs I've read recently where I'm going, oh my gosh, if I would apply that to my mouth, I would have not hurt so many people in life, right? Like I, that would be so helpful. And I'm actually doing this with my son, Micah. We're reading some Proverbs, and, and he did this all on his own. Um, he started writing down the ones that he liked in this little book and then drawing a picture below it of what it meant to him. And this is my favorite one he's done so far, all right? So you may get more of these throughout the semester, but here's my favorite one so far. I don't know if it'll be better, better than this. Um, that is a pig with a ring in it, its nose. And the proverb says this, 
A beautiful woman who lacks discretion is like a gold ring in a pig's snout. (laughs) Wisdom from the ages, right? (laughs) Daddy, what is discretion? We're going to talk about that, buddy. And uh, we can apply it to a girl in his class right now. So, I mean, there's... (laughs) All right, all right, true. Too close? Too close to home? Okay. Uh, It will make you wise. So my encouragement is to figure out a way this semester to actually get into the word. We don't have it. We need it. By God's grace, he'll give it. And pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. And I thank you that you have given us your timeless truth to speak into our current circumstance. And Lord, I pray that we would have the humility to admit that we don't have the answers to all of life's problems. And Lord, that we would come to the simple realization that we need you to speak to us. We need wisdom from you to navigate the challenges of our lives. And Lord, I, think, I pray that we'd actually take the bold step to bend our knees to you, Jesus. Say, Lord, I don't have all the answers, but you do. And I don't know all the right steps to make next, but I know the first step is actually to come to your son, Jesus Christ. Because in him, we find all the knowledge and wisdom we need to live a life ultimately honoring to you. Lord, I pray for each student here that you would guide us on this journey this semester. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. If you're a table host, you can stand up and head on out. The rest of us stand up and join with us as we worship.